Hey, it's Mike McEntee, and it's a beautiful May day. If you can find something wrong with today's weather, well, you're just too darn nitpicky, and I don't want to hear from you. Hey, good to have you along the show today. We've got uh, quite a show lined up here, as we always do. Uh, we're going to talk about uh, homelessness and affordable housing do you have a story to tell about that? Maybe you or maybe somebody you know or how you maybe you struggled with uh, having to get affordable housing or maybe you've struggled with homelessness. We've got an opportunity for you to tell your story. We're going to get into that. And also, what could be so important that you would decide not to eat for 15 days? We're going to talk to a woman in Minnesota who made that choice and find out why she's doing it. And then down at the legislature, DFLers, want the Minnesota House Speaker to oust the Republican chair of the Education Committee for her inflammatory comments made on the House floor. We'll hear what she had to say, and we'll talk about why that's a problem. But first, joining us now from Talk Media News is Doug Christensen. Hi, Doug. How you doing? Hi, Mike. Very well. How are you doing? I am doing great. There, As always, it's a, an interesting week already in Washington, D.C. We're all set here waiting for the the big decision because uh, Donald Trump's had this self-imposed deadline that tomorrow he's going to announce what he's doing with the Iran deal. Is there anybody in town thinks he's not going to that he's going to keep it? Nobody in town knows what he is going to do, and a lot of people, not just in in Washington D.C. here in, in in the Beltway, are anxious, but people all over our allies, all over the world are, are anxious about uh, what uh, President Trump will do, because um, it, it's like this with the Iran deal, and that is is that we now have in place a, a regime, uh, a, a, a way of inspecting and, and getting feedback from uh, the Iranians what, what's going on. We actually have leverage. If we actually abandon this deal, we have nothing. There is nothing that would uh, that would uh, prevent uh, Iranians from like once again uh, starting up where they left off. It would be insane. Now, to to be clear, if the United States pulls out of this deal, that it doesn't collapse. There's is, there's Iran still has a deal with the rest of the world, doesn't it? Uh, in theory, but uh, but uh, the Iranian foreign minister uh, Zarif said that he would uh, that uh, he would see this as a breach of the deal, and that the Iranians would not feel obligated to go forward with it. Um, so it, it, it all, it, it looks like it would collapse. Now, uh, Trump is being lobbied. Uh, I can't remember who was in there today, but basically telling him, oh yeah, I know it was, it was for English, uh, the guy with the yeah, funny yeah. hair from England. <laughs> I'm sorry. That my looks brain just is like not... Donald Trump with the same that... hair. Yes. <laughs> Same here, just, just even more strangely combed or unkept. Uh, but basically, he was in there today telling him that if you did this, the credibility of the United States and the credibility of basically making nuclear agreements around the world could be really in trouble. That's correct. And especially when you look at uh, a, a, an incipient uh, deal with uh, North Korea. I mean, why would North Korea believe us on any deal if we can't even uh, keep uh, keep this one together, and uh, it, it's really, really uh, mind-boggling, and of course, many people come back to this almost uh, base hatred that uh, President Trump has for uh, uh, former President Obama, and anything that Obama has done, such as this deal, he wants to unravel. Yeah, it's just uh, you get the feeling if if uh, if um, Barack Obama had said the sky was blue, Donald Trump would be arguing that no, it isn't. Just just be that's because exactly. of that. Yeah, uh, that's exactly right. It there's it there's another to do with any logic. Yeah, absolutely not. Uh, so it's going to be, do we know, I mean, Trump is not set uh, like he's going to have an announcement or anything. He just set the deadline. We have no idea when this thing is going to happen tomorrow. He said uh, t tomorrow morning they're going to, uh, they're going to do something, but uh, who knows? I mean, you know, you, you have now had uh, Macron from uh, France has come in and lobbied. You've had, uh, Angela Merkel from uh, Germany has come in. Um, 
and uh, and you've had guy from uh, UK who's come in, and I mean, our allies are all saying, no, stay in the deal. This is a joint deal, and it was, and it worked out through uh, through months of negotiation. And I mean, as so many people who worked on this deal said, look, there is no such thing as a perfect deal. Never. I mean, nobody hit there. Perfect doesn't exist. You have a deal that everybody signed off on. It's like that. But, I mean, here's a guy who has no, um, it was Boris Johnson. That was who came in. That was it. There we go. That's the name that's escaping both of us. Thank you. Yeah. Boris, I need a comb Johnson. So, uh, there's a, 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 Speaking of um, speaking of electoral politics here, uh, Donald Trump has been uh, weighing in on the race in West Virginia. This is the Republican Senate primary that's going to be happening tomorrow. And he's actually urging people not to vote for Don Blankenship. I can understand that because Don Blankenship just got out of prison. Uh, what's his what's his rationale beyond that? <laughs> Don Blankenship literally started running for this uh, Joe Manchin's Senate seat, Democrat from West Virginia, who used to be the governor of West Virginia, the day after he left prison, after he'd spent a year in prison for uh, for have for fine safety violations that uh, killed uh, several minors, mm-hmm. and uh, and Don Blankenship is. Uh, I'd say he's one of a kind, but he's not. I mean, he's a he's a he's an explicit racist, uh, xenophobe. Um, but he is mirroring uh, Donald Trump's uh, campaign, speaking about immigration. I mean, which is irrelevant. What does immigration in West Virginia have to do with each other? I mean, nothing. But he is playing on people's fears and. Um, the Republicans who thought, oh, we'll make an easy win of this one uh, because Trump had won so many, had won by such a wide margin in West Virginia that they'd be able to get in an establishment Republican and take over Joe Manchin's seat. But with somebody like Don Blankenship, who is a, an ex, I don't know if he was a felon, but he was, he may have been, but he was a ex-inmate, let's put it that way, mm-hmm. um, it would actually, it would be like the Roy Moore effect. It would destroy the possibilities of the Republicans being able to pick up uh, that Senate seat. Now, I mean, you, you mentioned Roy Moore. Donald Trump endorsed endorsed Roy Moore until he lost, you know, and then then he wasn't in favor of him. I mean, it would seem, I mean, it just, crazy loves crazy. I look at Blankenship, you mentioned that he's doing exactly what Trump is doing in terms of trying to appeal to a certain base. My question is, why isn't he? Why isn't he hoping that he wins? I mean, has has he finally gotten sane and said, "Oh my gosh, I gotta ask, I gotta act pragmatic here because we could lose if this guy wins." It's deeper than that. I think that uh, uh, Donald Trump is very worried that uh, if Democrats uh, uh, get a majority in either uh, in either chamber of uh, Congress, that uh, his that there's going to be some serious problems, uh, more strikingly in the House, um, because if, if, if Fuller uh, comes out with with uh, particularly damaging uh, stuff from his probe, um, then Democrats are more likely to to move against Donald Trump than uh, than Republicans. Who some Republicans seem to be, or many Republicans seem to be trying to stonewall this investigation at every turn, which is quite ironic because the Republicans used to be, quote, the law and order party. And uh, Democrats, I mean, have something to run on there, too. They can say, look, we believe in fairness. We believe in law. We don't think there should be exceptions. I mean, I feel like the more that Republicans do this, the more Democrats have something to run on and say, listen, you know, we believe in the rule of law. That's what that's what the U.S. Constitution is about. 
Now, it would seem like the Republicans, though, are, are uh, doing just the opposite of that. When we heard this week that House Intelligence Committee uh, Chairman David Nunez is saying that he is going, he wants to hold Attorney General Jeff Sessions in contempt of Congress for failing to hand over classified materials related to the Russia investigation. Uh, where's that going? Well, it, we do not know yet. I mean, we don't know whether uh, whether uh, Representative Nunez is is actually going to act on this threat or if he's just threatening. But uh, the Department of Justice is holding firm, and they're saying, no, we are not going to be extorted. I mean, that was a word that uh, that uh, Deputy AG uh, Rod Rosenstein used to describe uh, this kind of uh, this kind of brinksmanship. The answer is, we don't know exactly whether or not he's going to go forward with this or not. But everybody in Washington D.C. is looking at this very carefully. Um, and I mean, uh, Jeff Sessions has, to to this point at least, he's kind of stuck to his guns. And um, for that, I mean, you know, he's he's he has not been swayed. Uh, changing topics here just a little bit. We know that uh, Senator John McCain of Arizona has been gravely ill. He has not been in Washington, D.C. very much this year. Uh, he's been taking visits from friends, including uh, uh, former Vice President Joe Biden out on his ranch in Arizona. They're not saying they're coming there to say goodbye, but that's kind of what's going on. And we're hearing bits and pieces about the the book that he's releasing and one of the bits that's in there is that uh, John McCain does not want Donald Trump to show up at his funeral. Uh, what's been the reaction to that in D.C.? Well, people in D.C. are actually, are kind of, are kind of they, they're, they're, they're kind of glad. I mean, they feel that if anybody deserves to, uh, to tell uh, Donald Trump to, uh, where to, what to do, it's uh, it's uh, it is, it is Senator McCain who, after all, endured a most inappropriate slight from Donald Trump. Here's Senator McCain as a uh, as a prisoner of war for four, five and a half years in uh, North Vietnamese in North Vietnam uh, at the uh, Hanoi Hilton they used to call it the cage uh, where he was where his arms were broken, where he almost died. Uh, and J- Donald Trump, as a candidate, said he's not a war hero because uh, in his book, war heroes aren't captured. And, of course, Donald yeah. Trump was a draft dar- dodger during this period of time, so the contrast couldn't have been more stark. And, um, whereas John McCain uh, always kind of, uh, kind of kept a little bit of... Uh, at least di- diplomatic conversation with Donald Trump. Uh, many in uh, John McCain's family were just outraged that such a such a vulgar human being could have uh, said such a thing of of this man. And uh, his family's made it very clear they don't want uh, the president near uh, near uh, Senator McCain's funeral. Mm-hmm. And. Uh, I think that John McCain. Um, I mean, I still believe that John McCain put a thumbs down uh, for the uh, repeal of Obamacare because he was viscerally uh, offended by the way he was treated um, by uh, candidate Trump during the 2016 election. I imagine that things that Donald Trump has said coming back to bite him like that. I am shocked. I am shocked. Um, a sp- <laughs> j- one last thing here. I know we got to run here, but uh, Rudy Giuliani obviously uh, is making waves here the last uh, the last couple of days with what he's been saying. Is did he pop up anywhere else today to say anything? Um, I do not know, um, but I can say this about him, and that is is that the DNC must I, uh, must be so happy with Fox and Friends these days and with Hannity. Because every time uh, Rudy Giuliani uh, gets on uh, uh, Fox and Friends or or uh, Hannity's program, uh, he just he doesn't help the cause for Donald Trump. Let's just put it that way. Uh, mm-hmm. He makes it worse 
for Donald Trump, um, admitting that uh, perhaps the slush fund uh, involved not just uh, Stephanie Clifford, a.k.a. Stormy Daniels, but uh, other women as well, and other payouts. And, of course, uh, investigators are anxiously pining to figure out what 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 other revelations are out there? What other payoffs have been going out? Of course, with the Southern District of New York, the office having uh, yanked uh, Michael Cohen's papers, I'm sure that uh, investigators are well on their way to finding out. As uh, Donald Trump says often, we'll just have to see. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Doug Christensen is with Talk Media News. Uh, Talk Media News jumps in here every uh, every couple, every beginning and end of every week here to talk to us about what's going on in the nation's capital. Doug, hey, thanks for the help today. Oh, it was a lot of fun, Mike. All right, we're going to take a break here, folks. But when we get back, we're going to talk about the need for affordable housing in Minnesota. And what's happening at the Capitol at that? That's all next year on the Mike McEntee Show. Did you just look down at your phone? You did it again, didn't you? You know, you're flying down the road in a three-ton hunk of steel. And a text takes your eyes off the road for an average of five seconds. At 55 miles per hour, that's long enough to travel the length of a football field and cause some serious damage. Turn it off. Trust me. Whatever it is, you'll live. Learn more at StopTextStopRex.org. Brought to you by the Ad Council and the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration. Why must the world be so cold? They've gone against what was told. Thinking rape is cool? Think about it. They think it's not wrong? Violence against women? The rape? The abuse? The emotional? Physical? They all hold the hate. Think about it. Is it right or wrong? What attracts you? I'm not saying no names, but you laugh. Talk about it like nothing is wrong. Think about it. They all hold the hate. Gotta stop the violence. Stop the hate. Think about it. Sponsored by the Minnesota Indian Women's Sexual Assault Coalition. Psst. Yeah, you. It's me. Your heart. Listen to me. We've got to talk. High blood pressure is serious. And yours? Whoa. What happened to us? We used to be so much more active. But lately, you've been ignoring me. I know you think I'm just going to keep ticking away forever, but you're wrong. You can do so much more to control your high blood pressure. Doing the minimum isn't doing enough. I'm under a lot of pressure and can quit whenever I want. Bet you didn't know that. But I like my job. Just treat me better. Check on me. Give me something green to nibble on every once in a while. And maybe we can do some exercise on occasion. Let's get to it. After all, we're in this together. Listen to your heart. Don't let it quit on you. High blood pressure can lead to a stroke, heart attack, or death. Get your blood pressure to a healthy range before it's too late. Find out how at heart.org slash blood pressure. Check, change, control. A message from the American Heart Association, the American Stroke Association, and the Ad Council. Hey, welcome back to the Mike McIntyre Show here on AM 950. Do you have a story about homelessness and the need for affordable housing? Then your voice is wanted at the state capitol tomorrow. There's going to be an open mic in the capitol rotunda for the public to speak about housing. It's part of an affordable housing rally for all organized by Minnesota Housing Partnership and the Minnesota Coalition for the Homeless. Joining me to talk about what's happening is Senta Leff, Executive Director of Minnesota Coalition for the Homeless and Co-Chair of Homes for All Campaign. Senta, welcome to the program. Thank you for having me. Good to have you on. You know, homelessness and affordable housing for those of us who are in the suburbs and don't have, you know, don't think about this stuff. It's kind of an invisible problem. What is the scope of the housing problem here in Minnesota? How, how would you describe it? Great question. Uh, there are certainly communities where uh, homelessness is less visible than others, but it's found all across the state in all of our communities. Um, On any given night, we estimate that there are about 15,000 Minnesotans who don't have a place to live. A little more than half of them are children and youth. Wow. 
And those are people who don't have a place to live. And then there's the folks who are on the verge, on the edge, as we've seen. I mean, it started, it, st- it hit it hit a crisis proportion or a huge proportion in 2008 when we had uh, all sorts of foreclosures. But there are a lot of people who are on the edge of either losing their home or maybe not being able to make the rent every month and possibly being kicked out. That's right. And the scope of that uh, end of the spectrum is so much larger. Right now, more than 580,000 Minnesota households pay more than they can afford for housing, which forces many of them to make dangerous sacrifices to pay their rent or their mortgage. I, my, that's more than a half million. I mean, that's a significant mm-hmm. portion of the population here in Minnesota. Yeah, it's the number has increased nearly 60% since 2000. Wow. Wow. And you know, these these are impressive numbers and I go, okay, that's a that's a huge problem. But then there are those of us who say, well, you know, that's a problem for somebody else. It doesn't impact me. Does when we start talking about affordable housing and homelessness, that does have an impact on uh people who aren't in that situation. What is that impact? It certainly does. And I'll say, um, you know, our lawmakers are telling, we're a statewide coalition. We have over 214 endorsing organizations to our campaign, and they're found in every legislative district in our state. Um, Lawmakers from all kinds of communities, metro, suburban, um, some of the micropolitan places, as well as really rural communities are all telling us I can't go back to my home district and not hear about the impact that housing instability has. Um, We know that where we live really impacts everything. Um, So even if you don't feel like it's uh, something that's impacting your life, um, your home and your neighbor's homes are where our children learn. They're where what allows workers to earn They're hopefully where seniors thrive, and it's how all of our communities as a whole really prosper. Um, So that's why investments in affordable housing aren't just an investment in the bricks and mortar of a home, but really an investment in jobs, education, economic development, and the entire community. Let's talk about those investments because uh, this is and the investment is taking the form of the bonding bill at the legislature right now. And it's the Republican drafted bonding bill is kind of stingy on many fronts. It's a lot less than Governor Mark Dayton requested. And when it comes to housing, it's less than half of what your organization requested. Tell us how this bonding money is used. And if all, this is all that we pass right now, half of that, what's the impact going to be? Sure. I will say that um, since 2012, our our campaign, Homes for All, has successfully generated $270 million in investments for housing, and bonding bills require super majorities. Um, mm-hmm. So they can't uh, live or die along party lines, which means that we do have really strong bipartisan support in our state. Um, for affordable housing as a basic infrastructure investment in Minnesota. Uh, It's true that the proposal that was released late last week from the House um, falls far short of what we need. Homes for All is requesting $140 million in bonds for homes this year. That's our largest request ever. Um, That $140 million would develop or preserve over 4,600 households across Minnesota. It would also support 2,000 jobs in our state working directly on housing projects. Um, Last year, $126 million in state and federal resources leveraged uh, more than $346 million in private and local funding. I mean, that sounds impressive, but when I I just do the numbers here, 4,600 homes versus 580,000 people who might be, you know, facing uh, homelessness in the near future, that's a drop in the bucket. I mean, this this sounds like it's a a stopgap Band-Aid measure here to get things going. I mean, I mean, I'm hoping that we, we make progress on this, but that, I mean, even with, even just having that, half, making it half of what we've asked for is really just a drop in the bucket still, it sounds like, in solving the problem. 
It is. Um, it's, it's certainly not enough. Um, you know, the problem of homelessness, although it is uh, uh, a younger problem or a newer problem than I think most people understand, you know, it's a, as a reminder, it's something that um, began within my own lifetime. Um, but it didn't, it didn't begin completely overnight. So, um, our campaign is, uh, you know, okay with incremental change, but certainly the House bill that was proposed, um, last week gets us nowhere near there. Um, so that's why tomorrow we're holding a rally in the Capitol Rotunda that will, will have speakers, um, that, uh, mayors, uh, um, people with lived experience and other leaders in the community um, who can talk about their stories and help make us make the case for urgent investments across the housing continuum. And our campaign focuses not only on homeless prevention, but all the way along the continuum through rental housing to affordable home ownership. Now, I mentioned off the top here that this is an open mic session. So you're inviting anybody who has a story that they want to tell to just come down there and talk to the world, talk to everybody in the in the uh, Capitol Rotunda about their experience? Absolutely. And when they're done, we'll help them pull their lawmakers off the floor so that their lawmaker can be sure to hear that story directly. Now, uh, when does this all begin and uh, what do people need to do to participate? Um, in order to participate, you just need to come to the rally. Uh, it begins at 1.30 in the Minnesota State Capitol, um, and it will go until 3 o'clock. Uh, uh, Mayor Jacob Fry from Minneapolis will be there, uh, a local principal from the city of St. Paul, the mayor of North Branch, um, some previously homeless performers will also be there, um, but the, uh, the state capitol is the people's building and anyone is invited to join us. And like I said, when the open mic portion is done, we'll have plenty of experienced and professional lobbyists and advocates who can assist people in talking directly with their lawmakers about the importance of housing in their lives. Well, I hope that you can get people's attention because it's a, definitely an issue that needs attention and needs action. And is I, I think we just established here is the action that is happening is underwhelming at the moment and uh, needs a lot lot more behind it. We've been talking with Senta Left. She's the executive director of the Minnesota Coalition for the Homeless and the co-chair of the Homes for All campaign. The rally starts tomorrow down at the state capitol at 1.30. Senta, hey, thank you so much for joining us today. I appreciate you helping us uh, hear more about this. Thank you. Uh, hey, folks, I wanted to shift the, the conversation here for just a moment here because uh, and we're going to be talking about immigration, but I wanted to share this story because it crosses into a couple of things that I care deeply about, which is obviously, you know, uh, immigration, but also journalism. And a Tennessee journalist now faces deportation after he was arrested at an April 3rd protest of current immigration policy. We get more from Stephanie Carlson on a worldwide effort to secure his release. Manuel Duran is an undocumented immigrant from El Salvador. His charges of disorderly conduct and disruption of a highway in Memphis were dropped two days after his arrest, but the police department opted to turn him over to Immigration and Customs Enforcement. His attorney, Michelle Lapointe, with the Southern Poverty Law Center, says he could be deported any day to a country where his life is at risk. The risk for journalists in El Salvador right now is quite high when they do reporting on political issues and criminal issues that are entangled with local politicians and other people in power. LaPointe said she believes Duran's arrest is in direct retaliation for his coverage of the city's police and Department of Health and Human Services. Duran is detained by ICE in Louisiana. Prior to his arrest, he could have applied for U.S. asylum, but according to Syracuse University's Transactional Records Access Clearinghouse, his home country has the third highest denial rate in the world. This is Stephanie Carson reporting. Coming up next here on the show, lack of action on immigrants' rights has led one woman in Minnesota to go to fast for 15 days. We'll talk about that with her next on The Mike McEntee Show.
Woodland Stoves and Fireplaces is having their annual service special. Every stove, insert, and fireplace needs maintenance. Get it done now and save $40. You'll be ready to fire up before the cold weather hits again. From 94, take the Riverside Avenue exit and go east to 2901 Franklin Avenue. See the Twin Cities' most diverse selection of clean-burning, reliable, and environmentally smart stoves and fireplaces. Hi, I'm Peter Solak, owner of Woodland Stoves and Fireplaces. Have you ever watched your dog or cat curl up in front of a fire? Like a Norman Rockwell painting brought to life, it's primordial the way fire touches both the animal and the human. We have the equipment and the know-how to supply, install, and maintain stoves and fireplaces. Call us at 612-338-6606 and take advantage of our spring cleaning and maintenance special. We are online at woodlandstoves.com. The mission and the passion of Woodland Stoves and Fireplaces is to make the fire work for you. Woodland Stoves and Fireplaces, out of the ordinary products and services since 1977. Turn to Auto Technical with your vehicle donation. Even though Auto Technical is a small nonprofit, we have helped more families with transportation than any organization in Minnesota. Since 94, we have reconditioned donated vehicles so they have a higher tax benefit. Call Richard at 612 919 5526. 612 919 5526. Or autotech.org. What kind of a jackass would let an animal pick their insurance? Did you really think a lizard could save you money on car insurance? Would you let a duck pick your health policy? Insurance can be a zoo, but this is ridiculous. What you really need is an insurance agent that isn't looking out for the insurance companies. You need Cheryl at Array, an independent agent with 30 years experience looking for the best rate possible. Quit monkeying around and call 763-504-3067. That's 763-504-3067 for Cheryl at Array, representing you, not the insurance company. Companies. Welcome back to the Mike McEntee Show. It's fair to say immigrant rights have not been getting a lot of support at the Minnesota legislature as of late. Several bills that would advance immigrant rights have been stalled this session, including one that would make it possible for immigrants to get a driver's license. My next guest, Antonia Alvarez, has been trying to bring attention to these issues and joins us now. Antonia, welcome to the program. Thank you so much for you inviting me. Good to have you on. Antonia, explain to our listeners what you've been doing for the last 15 days to draw attention to these immigrant rights issues. Yes, uh, we are here in the Capitol because um, uh, we demanded driver license for all. We Mm -hmm. demanded a stop to mass incarceration. We demanded affordable houses for for more people. And I'm here because... um, um, I'm organizer 18 years for driver license and it's nothing happened 18 years. Mm-hmm. And it's, uh, it's why we are here. And I want to, the people, they put attention about uh, this case because right now the, the, the politics, they run for governors. They spoke bad for immigrants and the people, they need listen. What is the truth? And that's why I'm here today. I'm here for 15 days. You've been there for 15 days, and you've been on a fast for eight, for 15 days. You have not eaten until you're going to be eating today. What has that been like? I never eat in 15 days. Uh, first, uh, my faith is strong. Mm-hmm. My body probably not. But... Uh, but my commu- I love my community, and that's why I make my own decision for fasting. The same Cesar Chavez, and he's my uh, spiritual mentor because I want to, I want to, I want to say thank you. I want to um, the people they need change the minds about immigrants mm-hmm. and. Uh, and I, I want to tell right now in this state, we don't have rights. When the police department, they are stopping people, we have a lot of struggles. Many people have deportations for no driver license. And it's not, it's not criminal case. 
is only for for they they don't want to give oppor- opportunity for for everybody and that's why i'm here for last 15 days and we want to explain the people um what is the struggles for our communities many people they they understand and others they change their minds because they believe all oh, that the immigrants they is not welcome but when they listen the testimonies they change minds and and as uh, my goal is change more minds um you know what happened in this state this state when they remember the history you need to remember the history in the 1800s people fight for liberation slave people they have the first state uh protection for women this state they say welcome people from vietnam from Laos, for other countries, when they have a lot of struggles. So they need to remember the history and not lose your values. Because when you lose your values and you hate others, and your house, you, you're not happy. You are unhappy. But when you have good values for others and you say welcome others, I believe in you, you have freedom also. And that's my goal. The people, they need freedom. Everybody. Now, one of the bills that uh, you are focused on is something that's been championed by Representative Carlos Mariani. This is a bill that would uh, allow immigrants to get a license. Uh, tell me yes, why the, a driver's uh, license. Mm-hmm. Tell me why that is so important. Um, right now, this bill is on the floor, but they never talking right now about this bill. Probably they 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 not have what day is the session, but you know what happened? They say last last probably do, four weeks ago when I'm here in this building, they say no this year we're not talking about driver licenses, no bill in this in in this moment. Probably next year, but when we are here in fasting, last week they they put in the floor the bill HF forty four seventy six. And they say, okay, we need pushing this this bill because this bill is very important for for our communities. Only we wait for the session what they is, and we need continue fight for for um for for driver license for all. Have you been able to talk to any of the legislators beyond Carlos Mariani about this bill? Uh, you said you've talked to some people and they've changed their mind. Have any of those been representatives or senators? Yes, I just speak with the representative um, Frank Frank uh, um, Hornstein. Frank Hortman. Hortman. Hornstein, I think it's Frank Hornstein. Yes. Yes, Hortman. Hortman. And uh, representative Fong Lee. Fong Lee, yes, from Saint Paul. And uh, representative um, uh, Karen Clark. From Minneapolis, and the yes. senator um, Patricia Torres Rai. Yes, also from Minneapolis. Yeah, and but I, we want to invite most people. Probably they come today, but um, but they working today. They have twelve bills, so I don't know mm-hmm. when they have time for coming outside or no. But they have twelve days, twelve bills today, today mm-hmm. for for both. And they are busy today, but they they send me emails. They they have this bill introduced this bill, and I hope I hope this year is something happen. The time is now. I'm work 18 years for the for a driver license, and there's no driver license. It's more corruption when we don't have driver license because we pay for tickets, but we continue driver because we don't have choices. Because you need to drive around to get to your job, if you and that's yes, the reason. Yes, I drive in every license. year, every day for my job, and every day I, my little daughter she's concerned, and she's always she feels one day you, the police they arresting you and you not come back to home for no driver license, and, and I don't want to lose my mom, and sometimes she's crying, and I understand my daughter, I understand, and I told please. Um, Listen, we're not criminals. We are humans. We 
need to recognize our dignity. Was it your intention to just uh, fast for 15 days? And uh, what has it been like fasting like that? Has it been hard? Yeah, it's hard. But um, I think in... I think when when I recognize my dignity and not lost my faith, these people they never take my dignity. The oppression they never take my dignity, and I and this my goal is the immigrants we need to speak out, and we need to stay out in the shadows, no no in the shadows and no silence because when you silence, um, the struggles continue. But when we speaking up more fast, we have freedom because we change minds. When we working together, we change minds. So my people, they they need see my face, and I want to block the picture for the criminal people and put in the pe- the picture like the human people. We're not criminals. We need to recognize we are humans and we need rights. When we talk to each other, we all get to realize a little bit more that we are much more alike than we are different. And I think that's a point that you're getting across today. Antonio yeah. Alvarez, thank you so much for joining us uh, and for your, you know sharing your struggle here and what you're trying to do at the state capitol. Yeah, and I want to tell the last thing. Sure. I was organizer in Lowry Grove for Safe Lowry Grove and Lowry Grove and Mobile Home Park in San Anthony. Mm-hmm. And and we have the Aeon. They trying to save this land, but we lost our case. So we moved everybody. We stay outside. But today, uh, Aeon, they buy, they, they buy a Bremer Bank and they make construction 70 affordable apartments. So that's why I'm continue organizers, organizer because uh, when we organizer, we had more freedom. And these 70 houses is our victory. And it's also it's not only benefits for immigrants. It's benefits for people when they don't have money, they're not rich, and they don't have the same opportunities like the others. Absolutely. Antonia, thank you so much for talking to us today. Thank you so much, and God bless you. And my name is, one more time, Antonia Alvarez. I'm co-founder, Asamblea de Derechos Civiles. Thank you. Well, coming up here next here on the Mike McEntee Show, late-breaking developments at the legislature, including a call for a Republican committee chair to step down for something she said on the House floor. We'll hear what it is next here on the Mike McEntee Show. With all the convenient big box stores that sell appliances, why do so many Minnesotans choose Warner Stellion? Check online to learn that Warner Stellion is a Minnesota family-owned business for over 60 years. Warner Stellion sells more brands than anyone else, and our passionate specialists are committed to impressing you so much that you'll refer us to everyone you know. That's our mission here at Warner Stellion. Ask around, check us out online, and when it's your time to buy appliances, join over 300,000 Minnesota homeowners and choose the specialists, Warner Stellion. Did you know that tooth decay is the most common disease in America and that over half the American population has some form of periodontal disease? Simply brushing and flossing don't seem to be enough. The abundant bacteria in your mouth thrive off sugar to produce acid and plaque. But what if you could actually prevent bacteria from converting sugar into the harmful byproducts responsible for tooth decay and periodontal disease? Daily Dental Care is a life sciences company that leverages our microbiology expertise to create oral care products that promote strong teeth, healthy gums, and fresh breath. Our lozenges safely and effectively neutralize harmful bacteria and their disease-causing byproducts like acid and plaque without harming health-promoting bacteria that guard your mouth against the destruction that sugar causes. Supplement your daily dental hygiene routine with our convenient dental lozenges. Go to dailydentalcareswithans.com or Amazon to purchase and use promo code DDC95001 at checkout for a 25% discount on your first purchase. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Daily dental care lozenges are not intended to Place daily dental hygiene practices. No matter what your taste, you'll find the music you're looking for at the Electric Fetus. 
pick from rock, pop, international, roots music, and so much more on CD and vinyl. Or create your own compilation of favorites with the exclusive Mix and Burn CD station, only available at the Electric Fetus. Dust off your vinyl or just make some space by turning your unwanted music into cash. The used selection changes daily, so check out the new arrivals often. 2000 4th Avenue South in Minneapolis and online at efetus.com. Hey, it's Mike McEntee back here on AM 950. Uh, news out of the legislature this afternoon. Uh, the uh, sulfite, sulfate standard bill, it's about wild rice, but it's really about water quality. It's been bouncing through uh, the House and the Senate, got passed by both bodies. It's on its way to the governor's desk, but the word is the governor is going to veto it. At least that's what we've heard. He's threatened it before. We've heard confirmation that he probably will. So that bill, which would, uh, it's its really about environmental quality and it's about mining. It is about the wild rice standard and it's about a lot of things, but it's likely to get Governor Dayton's veto. Now, also of note here in the legislature, uh, 28 Lawmakers, I believe all of them DFLers, have asked that Republican Representative Sandra Erickson be removed as the House Education Chair after she made some remarks on the during a floor debate last month. They also want an apology. Here's the protest that was filed today. It says, uh, it's up from the 28 members, we, quote, register our protest and dissent against Representative Sandra Erickson for her inflammatory and unconscionable language during the debate of the 2018 Education Omnibus Bill. On Thursday, April 26th, Representative Sandra Erickson stated on the floor of the House, Minnesota House of Representatives with regard to the Native Americans and indigenous communities this. Well, members, we can think of it this way. You know, if they're going to argue they're sovereign, then they don't have to take this money that we're uh, giving to them. Yeah, and the complaint reads that as state representative of 4,302 enrolled members of the Mille Lacs Band of the Ojibwe, it is Representative Erickson's responsibility to represent her constituents, which included the acknowledgement of their sovereignty. It is inappropriate, and again, I'm reading from the complaint, that Representative Erickson speaks in derogatory and disparaging tones when addressing the function of governance of the Bureau of Indian Education Schools. This is especially inappropriate because she is the chair of the Education Innovation Policy Committee. Now, it says here, the code of policy for the Minnesota House of Representatives states in part, quote, a state representative and officer or employee of the House of Representatives shall treat everyone with respect, fairness and courtesy, exercise sound judgment. And it goes on here to say, we, the underside members of the House of Representatives, admonish Representative Erickson for her comments. We implore her to apologize for her actions, to educate herself on issues of sovereignty and to build positive relationships with Native American communities and BIE schools. We also call upon Speaker of the House, Kurt Doubt, to remove her as chair of the Education, Innovation, Policy, and Ethics Committees, proving time and time again that Representative Erickson carries a negative and biased attitude towards the historical and current issues facing the American Indian and indigenous, indigenous communities of Minnesota. We believe that Representative Erickson is incapable of upholding the high ethical and moral standards needed to be chair of either of these committees. This was filed today. No response here from Sandra Erickson yet. Uh, stuff this weekend. No surprises on the endorsement front. Keith Ellison, Betty McCollum both got the DFL endorsements for Congress. Representative Pete Stauber got the GOP 8th Congressional District endorsement. No opposition. There will be no primary on that. Four uh, DFLers, though, uh, are running on the uh, DFL side for their endorsement because they had no uh, endorsement at the convention. This is Representative Rick Nolan's open congressional seat. Now, in St. Paul, unionized employment in St. Paul's Pioneer Press newsroom has fallen from about 150 at the time that the media news required, uh, excuse me, acquired the publication in 2007 to the most recent count of 46. That's down uh, from 150 to 46. Why? The paper is owned by Digital First, which is controlled by Alden Global Capital, which has been squeezing money from local newspapers and making huge profits. In Denver, reporters and editors for Alden uh, Global Capital 
uh, which owns the Denver Post, have had enough, and protests are planned there and in New York, where they have their headquarters, and perhaps several other cities. We get more from Eric Galatis. Unrest between Denver Post workers and hedge fund owner Alden Global Capital is on the rise after editorial page editor Chuck Plunkett resigned late last week. Workers at the Post and papers across the nation are set to protest what they say are predatory management practices tomorrow in Denver and at Alden's headquarters in Manhattan. Post reporter Kieran Nicholson is the newsroom unit chair for the Denver Newspaper Guild. He says even though the Post made $28 million in profits last year, the company continues to cut staff and costs in ways that are unsustainable. They are busy stuffing their pockets as they wring this out. And if it's to the community's detriment, if it's to the post employee's detriment, they don't care. They just want to keep on racking in the profits and we have to reverse that trend or stop that trend. Workers and supporters are calling for Alden to invest in the post or sell it to someone who will. A recent Neiman Lab report found that Alden's Colorado properties produced a 19% profit margin, and the company's strategy of continued cuts has produced the highest returns in the industry. Attempts to contact Alden Global Capital or its subsidiary Digital First Media for a response so far have been unsuccessful. I'm Eric Galatis. Now, as I mentioned, uh, that same company owns the Pioneer Press here in the Twin Cities, There have been a a bunch of layoffs that have happened over there. I know several good reporters that have been let go. David Montgomery, who is a a whip-smart data reporter, uh, was let go. Uh, He was bought out is the official term, but, you know, that's essentially it. They couldn't afford to have somebody doing data reporting. And then uh, Rachel Stassenberger, who has uh, for years covered the legislature, not just for the Pioneer Press, but she's also worked for the Star Tribune, very well respected. Uh, people were very, very sad to see her go, and she had to go because, again, she got a buyout. This is again, buyouts are ways of reducing the staff levels. You pay a little bit more up front, but you get rid of people. You don't have to have the, excuse me, overhead costs of having reporters. And as mentioned here, the Pioneer Press is down now to 46 union employees from 150 uh, just a few years ago. This is what happens when you don't fund, you know, you don't care about journalism, when all you care about is the money. And I bring it up again because the uptake is here, theuptake.org, to kind of fill in those gaps that start happening when the press doesn't exist, when the press starts going away. And the uptake is here to provide that transparency. We're here to provide the information. A lot of what you hear on AM 950 here on our show is provided by the uptake. I'm the executive director of the uptake. And the way the uptake continues to be around is when you help out. When you make that donation, that 25 bucks, that 50 bucks, whether it's uh, one time or maybe monthly, whatever you want to do, you know, do, do the NPR thing if you want to. Uh, we'll, we'll get you a tote bag maybe. But when you support journalism like that, then we're able to make up for some of what's happening here. Some of it. Hey, it's Mike McEntee. I'm back here tomorrow. We'll see you then. Oh, and... Mom, thanks for listening.